What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today. There, you can purchase items from our online store or donate. As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce my guest today, an old college friend, Dave Green. Welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks. How's it going, man? It's it's going. It's busy, busy. Busy. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It has been... Well, we started chatting for a couple seconds here before we got going. We just jumped right in today. Um, but uh, it's been... Man, I know we've like reached out to each other or, or talked on like Facebook or whatever, you know, Facebook Messenger right, a couple right. times, but uh, it's been probably since college, right? That we've like seen each other. Yeah, or? I haven't seen I haven't seen you since um, two thousand and eight, maybe. Okay. Ten? Was it ten? Well, uh, they all blend when, together at this point. Yeah, I know that two thousand eight was when we were probably like living in the same dorm together. Right. I Those are probably some of my... Yeah, so if you're listening, Dave and I were old college friends. So we lived in the same dorm together, and we used to beat each other up in the dorm room. And, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was, like, that was the thing that I remember, like, big time, was putting on those boxing gloves in the hallway yeah. and, like, boxing and, like, wrestling around. It was fun. Like, I think I distinctly remember you tackling me into my dorm room door. And <laughs> I think I remember the dorm room door opening and flying in. My poor roommate was in there and he was just like horrified <laughs> at what was going on. He thought it was like a legit fight. So he was just like, yeah. Uh, we, we, had some, we had some fun times. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Good. I, uh, that's like one of my, probably one of my favorite memories from college is like just messing around with you and like hanging around, hanging out and like wrestling around and boxing each other in the hallway. Oh, it was a blast. Yeah. It was so much fun. So I know you've got a crazy schedule and, um, you're up to, it sounds like some cool stuff or you're staying busy for sure. Why don't you fill us in on kind of what you're up to these days and uh, what you're doing? Yeah, so um, so right now I work in um, I, I'm an EMT. I work in uh, for two different ambulance services. So I work down on a couple Native American reservations out here in South Dakota, where it's freezing right now. Um, but I'm sure you're familiar with that. You're you're up in Minneapolis right now, right? Uh, I moved, so my wife got a promotion. Oh, okay. Yeah, so All right. I'm, All right. I, I'm cold today. But it's not the same level of cold as what you're experiencing. I'm in oh, Florida. So. I'm in South Florida. Oh, whatever, man. That's not even. <laughs> I know. I got down to like 50 degrees last night. So it's oh, just gosh. a little chilly that today. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I had to put a sweatshirt yeah. on. So. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's cold, cold up here. But yeah. uh, it's, it's good getting kind of used to it. But yeah, I worked down on a couple of these Native American reservations, Pine Ridge and then over in Rosebud for, for okay. the, the two different ambulance services there. Love it. Um, it's pretty fast paced, especially on Pine Ridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll do um, usually about 70 everywhere, anywhere from like 70 somewhere to 
to uh, sometimes 90 hours a week down on Pine Ridge, and then I'll jump over wow. to Rosebud and wrap up a 40 and then come home um, for two days. And so it, it's it's good work. Um, love it. It's been a career change for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 just been it's been really exciting and uh, one of the best decisions I ever made to make that career change. So um, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love it. How long have you been doing it? Uh, I have been doing Pine Ridge coming up on uh, close to two years and Rosebud for 10, 10 months, something like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You like the fast pace. You like you like the busyness. You like staying. You like the obviously you enjoy the the work that you're doing. Yeah, um, to a degree. Like uh, there, there's moments where it's like, man, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's, yeah. You know, I, I want the fast pace. That's fine. And then there's moments where it's just like, bro, this needs to slow down. Yeah. Like, I yeah. Need, I need ten minutes. I need to eat something. I need to take sure. a shower. I need to. I need to catch like an hour of sleep. Yeah, you know? I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the the fast pace. Definitely, I don't. I don't think I could. Uh, work in an environment i don't feel comfortable at this at this point in my life i don't feel comfortable working in an environment where it's really slow down um, yeah yeah that's yeah. uh i mean it's a hustle you know i mean it's right. just you're constantly going i'm sure and so yeah, yeah like that. switching back would be a transition <laughs> in For and of sure. itself yeah what yeah. what led you this way kind of what you mind filling us in on what you were doing before you got into um being an emt and kind of what yeah, led you yeah. that direction yeah so um all right so uh, i'm gonna jump back a little bit and then yeah, kind of go, go for forward because it. it kind of explains it gives us some context so uh I, well i was in indiana um i got a job working and doing kind of some like working for a company that did contract work with the uh, department of child services and department of corrections okay uh, juvenile corrections and so I, I worked for this company for a while and um Roughly two years uh, working in this treatment facility. They had like their own little juvenile lockup, and then they had their treatment facility on one side. Yeah. Did that for about two years. Pretty, pretty, um, again, fast paced, high adrenaline, mm-hmm. um, just a lot of dealing with a lot of issues. Uh, worked in behavior modification mostly. Yeah. Um, and then with a lot of like sexually maladaptive youth. Um, and it, it was good work, loved it, um, really wore me down after two years, and I, I kind of decided, you know, I kind of need a break from that, so I kind of stepped away from it, moved sure. out to uh, South Dakota, because I got family out here, said, hey, I'm going to go help my brother, He's uh, he is managing a hotel, and um, he nice. came out here, I was like, hey man, I just want to work maintenance, I don't want to talk to anybody, I, I just need a break <laughs> from that, yeah. like, no people, just, just give me, like, things to work on with my hands, I'm good. Yeah, and I said, "Hey, that's all right. I got a great job for you. I'm going to put you at front desk and guest services." And I was like, "Bro, that's the opposite of <laughs> it's a, the opposite." But that's what he did. And so I was like, "Oh man, I, I I was kind of kind of hating it at first, but honestly, it was one of the best things he could have done for me because it really got me out of um, just that that coming out of that environment where it was just kind of like a, a downward, uh, I want to say a spiral, but you kind of." Kind of a little bit of a dip, and uh, and then came back yeah. to work at that. But I, I couldn't do front desk for very long just because of working in that kind of you know high high stress, high adrenaline environment. And jumping, sure, jumping over to guest services. So I did that for a little bit, and I was like, nope, I need to do something else. And so yeah. you know, I had some time on my hands. I was like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to pursue something that I've really wanted to do for for a while, and that was emergency medicine. And so 
I went that route and uh, got my EMT, started working that, went to paramedic school, um, just wrapping up paramedic school, getting ready to test for my national registry. So nice. it's, uh, what's it's the difference? Been a fun ride. What's that yeah. like, process or what's that mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a um, big different scope of practice. So you're talking about your EMT is usually about, you know, uh, about a semester long course. Some of them are more like condensed courses. Okay. And, um, it, it, you have a limited amount of skills uh, as an EMT, um, a lot of assessment training, and then, you know, a few, a few skills and treatments you can do paramedic. It's much broader, um, what you're allowed to do, the medications that you're allowed to give. Um, there's, there's stuff that you're allowed to do as a paramedic that you, you know, uh, your, your four year RN can't do. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's some cool, cool stuff. I, I love it. Um, and it's a lot of, I think the thing that attracted me to going into it was just um, the ability to make decisions mm. uh, and not have to, um, you have medical control, like you, you kind of fall back on that, you fall back on your protocols. But for the most part, within that, you have a lot of room to make decisions based on the assessment, based on what you're seeing, and based on what you feel is best for this patient within yeah. the scope of practice, within the, you know, within your, your, your protocols and uh so yeah, it's it best decision. Like I said, uh, one of the best decisions I made, and, and really excited about it. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. I I've like I didn't know the difference between EMT and like paramedic. It makes sense once you like describe it that way. There's just different levels, but yeah, I didn't I didn't realize yeah. that. So and, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people we get we get this a lot. We're uh, called ambulance drivers. Yeah. Um, which, which once you get in that field, you kind of like, you take as like a slight, you're like, you know, yeah, but I, but I get it. Cause like yeah. nobody, I mean, they don't know. Like, yeah, you're, no, nobody. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, Dave, if we, why don't we go even further back and let's yeah. take things back to childhood. How would you describe your childhood? What was that like for you? Oh, my, my childhood was interesting. Um, loved it. A lot of fun. Had uh, I've got um, seven brothers and a sister, so um, obviously there was no no um, no, no down downtime at all. It was just yeah. uh, always scraping with my brothers, playing football in the backyard, teasing my sister to death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there was plenty going on in our in our household, but we we moved a lot. Uh, my folks were missionaries. Um, and so growing up, we traveled quite a bit, spent yeah. a little bit of time in India, um, spent some time in South Africa growing up, um, and then, uh, then kind of came back and, and spent a good chunk of time in, in Indiana um, just before college. And so, uh, yeah, a lot, of, um, a lot of traveling, a lot of cross-cultural um, experience and um, getting to see the world from a, a different perspective. You know, and, and getting to understand, you know, how, you know, how people are, are, are viewing them. It's, it's, it's not the same overseas, you know, yeah. looking at it from an African perspective, looking at things from, uh, you know, a Southeast Asian perspective. Um, um, and coming back to the States with that, um, and you're kind of a little bit mixed up because you're kind of in between sure. uh, cultures a little bit. And then you're trying to adapt back into a, a American culture. And it's a, it's a different experience. But yeah. How, uh, how old were you when you came back to the States? I was 16. 
So went there, went to South. So India was much younger and came back to the States. Um, we were in Florida at the time. It was kind of where we were living. Went back to or went to went to Africa um, and then came back from South Africa in 2004, 2005. So we went in 99. I was about 11, 10, 11, and then came back when I was 16. Nice. So yeah. South Africa is probably what you remember most then. Oh, yeah, for sure. What... um. What are, like, is there anything that, like, sticks out, like, when you think about that time of your life? Um, are there any memories that, like, are front and center and, and on the top of your mind? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, snake hunting, um, always, and my mom didn't really know that we were doing a whole lot of that, but my, uh, <laughs> my brothers and I, we just thought it was so cool. We're just like, oh, my gosh, there's cobras here. And so, <laughs> We're like running around, just you know, you know, growing up in Florida, you get like little grass snakes and whatnot. Yeah. You're like, hey, look at this! You know, this is a different game. <laughs> but you know, you High watch stakes. Steve Irwin, and you're like, dude, I get to do this. Yeah. You're like running outside, and you're grabbing cobras and all kinds of snakes. And one particular piece, memory, I remember we had a. Uh, and, and most people don't believe it when I tell them this, because and I still can't believe we did this. Insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. It's I, I, I would peg it on ignorance. <laughs> that's it. Um, but we had there was a, there was a, a black mamba actually kind of where we live, and oh, we see it every now and then. And uh, my brothers had a couple run-ins with it, and they're real territorial. So like they'll stand up and they'll uh, they'll kind of stand their ground and chase you off. Well, uh, me and my friend we've been kind of trying to get this snake because we heard there was a really big snake, and we're like it'd be so cool to to find and catch this snake. Yeah, and it got into one. It got in my friend's house behind his dryer, and his his dad kind of hauled it out. And we had this this pole rigged up with this little you know this kind of loop sure. wire on one end. And so we caught it, hauled it out, and we we're like playing around with it, and messing around with it. And then we we realized, like friend's dad kind of realized what kind of snake it was. Like, oh, um. that's a black mama, and we're like, oh. <laughs> You know, that's that's cool. You know, you know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're like holding snake. it up and like, you know, hey, this is this is awesome. Wow. Um, yeah. So Man, uh, that's like a that's a unique experience that pretty much I don't know anybody that's ever had, so that's awesome. Yeah, I think if we knew what it was before, we might not have uh, <laughs> been as enthusiastic about it but I, just like, I like how you said we might not have like there's still yeah, a possibility yeah. that we would have but maybe not <laughs> again we, we were ignorant and innocent <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome what uh what were some of your like interests at that time like what what were you did you like what was school like did you go to a private school did you have like were you involved in sports or music or you know what kind of yeah. extracurricular kind of things were you involved in? Yeah, so um, soccer was huge uh, in South Africa at the time. So it was rugby, but um, yeah. you had to understand, like, the culture there, you had – there was it was very racially charged. Mm-hmm. And so you had typically – everything was divided. Um, and this was after apartheid ended, but things were still yeah. divided. People were very not, not very trusting of one another. So typically you had rugby, and that was kind of like the white, the white guy's sport. Okay. And then you had soccer – um, and then you had cricket and, you know, um, didn't really get into cricket. It just wasn't really our thing. You know, yeah. baseball just kind of trumped cricket for me. So, but, yeah. But soccer, you know, really, really jumped in on that and loved, uh, loved playing soccer. Got to play that for a little bit. Um, with a, uh, it was kind of like this, uh, farm t- 
team that, that they had, a local farm team, and we would practice with them. And that was a lot of fun. Enjoyed that. Um, we had school was school was homeschooled. Uh, we had the option of either going to a um, like a boarding school or doing homeschool. And I think my mom just really wanted to do uh, homeschool. She wanted us all to kind of be in, in one spot and not get you know, traveling around. Um, sure. That was, a, that was a cool experience growing up with that. It was different. Yeah. And, and I realized coming back to the States and talking to a lot of my friends who you know, kind of went to you know, public school or private school, it was just a totally different experience. I'm trying to like understand how things were like for them or you know, how things were like. Um, yeah, yeah. Homeschool, sports, uh, we're always doing stuff like that, hiking. Well, we were way out. Pumalanga province right on the border. What, what was that? Sorry, I missed that last bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were uh, we were in the uh, Pumalanga province, so kind of out by Nels Pruitt, uh, okay. South Africa, so right on the border of Swaziland, and there's a lot of bush out there, a lot yeah. of place for you to hike and get lost. And um, again, pretty amazed that my mom ever really allowed us to do some of the stuff that we did, but I don't think we ever asked permission to scramble. Um, but we ended up way out in those hills hiking all the time. Yeah. A lot of outdoor activity, uh, hiking, camping. Just you and your brothers? Me and my brothers. And, uh, oh, there was a, this is kind of a cool story, but, um, there was a, there's this, this guy used to be part of the, um, South African Defense Force. It was like after apartheid ended. Basically, he had PTSD real bad. Didn't know it at the time. Sure. Um, I'm surprised my parents let us hang out with him, but they did. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> but this guy used to take us on hikes out there, and uh, we, you know, we were just—I was 11, you know—so I'm like, "Oh, cool, we're going out in the bush, we're going camping, we're going hiking," you know, Boy Scout stuff. Yeah. And he's like, you know, but I didn't realize it. But he was just—he would be like, "All right, so I'm going to teach how to set up an ambush today." And <laughs> we could do stuff like that. And then he'd be like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to crawl through the bush and not get caught and not be found. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, because wow. oh, this guy seems really awesome. So it's just like, let's do cool stuff with him. Yeah. You know, after a while, you realize, hey, you might not be okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. What are you teaching? <laughs> you know, but uh, he, he was a cool, he was a cool guy. We really had a lot of fun hanging out with him. Good guy. Just, uh, I don't think he had much of a childhood. Most of his childhood was a lot of survival and uh, and getting to a, a crazy time. So, yeah. yeah. What did was there anything like? Um, what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? Like, did you like have anything in mind when you were young? And yeah, I wanted to be a teacher. Teacher. Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, when I went into college, that's kind of what I what I pursued initially was uh, was education. Yeah. And I did about a semester of that, and that really worked it out of me pretty quick. Check, got um, that bug out of my system. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, unlike my brother, you know, my younger brother, he was, he was like 12 years old. He's like, I'm going to be a doctor. What was that? Like, sorry, I'm having my, my, trouble my younger hearing brother. You. Yeah, sorry, I, I'll just speak up. My, my brother was, uh, my younger brother, he was like 12. He's like, I'm going to be a doctor. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna bounce around and figure out what I want to do, you know, eventually. But uh, he, boom, just straight through. He, he did his thing, went yeah. to college, did his thing, and got his MD now. Nice. Um, 
That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He just knew exactly what he wanted. I just never really, really did at that age. It was just kind of, well, this looks cool. This looks cool. This yeah. Looks I wanted to pursue this until I finally. When you, um, when you were transitioning back to the States then, you know, when you're, what you said, around 16 years old? Yeah. What, were you like excited to come back to, you know, the United States? I mean, you didn't really know any different, right? So, yeah. Um, like, was that something you were looking forward to? Like, was it scary? What were your feelings around that? Um, I wasn't looking forward to it. Yeah. Definitely a little bit nervous about it. It was, you know, when you first, when I first moved over there, you were adapting to a new culture. And I yeah. remember. I remember being very uncomfortable for the first two years. Mm-hmm. And then I remember there was kind of a transition. There was a point where it just turned a corner and it became home. It yeah. Became, this is what I knew. This is what I was comfortable with. Um, and then making that transition back, I was like, I don't want to make another change. Like, I'm comfortable here. I, I love South Africa. I love living here. I don't really want to go back and, 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 and do what? Like, it's going to be totally different. Um, and it was, it was, it was, and it was just something I had to learn how to adapt and change a lot growing up. And that was one of those big changes. Yeah, for sure. What, do you remember any of those like cultural things that were like the biggest struggle for you coming back? Yeah. Uh, values. Mm. Um, kind of what, you know, you're living in a country where poverty is, is pretty prevalent. Crime is pretty high. Um, you know, people, a lot of people are in what I would call survival mode. Um, mm. and they're just trying to get through the day or the week. Um, and you're coming back and, and you know, uh, most of the friends that I had were talking about, you know, this crush that they had or, you know, whether or not they had, sure. you know, the newest flip phone or whatever. And, um, you know, hey, check out my cool belt that I've got, you know, yeah. and I'm like, I, I'm like, you, growing up, you know, in South Africa, it's like, you know, we're, we're talking about like, hey, did 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 you get food today? You know, yeah. Um, is the water clean? Like, you know, f- for some people that was a real struggle. And then you're going to, you know, safety was a huge thing. Like one of the things that we were taught, you know, while we lived there was how to spot for, you know, when you're coming up, especially at night and you're driving, like coming up to a stop sign, looking for potential, you know, places where you might get jumped or ambushed. Yeah. You know, that that was commonplace, especially in some of the cities. And so, like, we, we were taught as kids to, to be in the lookout for that so we could let our parents know if we saw things. Right. Um, and so, you know, just kind of going from that environment, that, like, that culture to, you know, uh, coming coming home, and it's just totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, you leave your doors unlocked where we were in Indiana. It was, like, rural Indiana. Right. You know, like, well, was, I was not used to that. It was, like, yeah. we were used to secure, you know, lock stuff down you know so yeah that was that was different big big change for sure i mean i remember you know i spent a couple months and so not nearly the same amount of time or comparatively to what you're talking about but i remember coming back from haiti um it was like the summer after we i graduated college and i remember coming back and i saw like an ambulance and people like getting over and getting off to the side of the road. And it like touched me, you know, like it was like so meaningful, yeah. like those types of things you take for granted, you know, of like, the, it's just a simple thing of like, Oh, everybody knows. We don't, 
you talk about it, I guess, when you're younger, but it's just something you know. You just get over right. it when you see right. lights, and it's not that way everywhere else. And uh, I don't know. That was something that I remember, like, just being feeling very, like, appreciative of. It's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, society just knows that this is what we do to help other people, you know, to help someone get to where they need to go and help someone faster, you know? Right. And I don't know. That was That was a moment I remember coming back that was really... I don't know, like impactful for me of uh, that. I don't know. It's a privilege that we have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And stuff like that. You just, you're not, you're not kind of uh, keen to, Yeah. Um, you just kind of take it. advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. And then you kind of see the world from a different perspective and experience it. And then you come back and you're like, you know what? I really appreciate it. I really yeah. appreciate coffee. You know, coming <laughs> sure. like it's just it's different. It's you know, yeah. there's little things that are that are different. You know, have yeah. you been back? Like, have you gone back to South Africa? Or I haven't. No. Yeah, I, believe it or not, I haven't. Uh, and I always thought I would travel. That was one of the things as a kid. Yeah. Up, I was like, I'm going to travel all the time. I want to see the world. I want to see all this stuff. And um, I actually have not left the United States since I came back, wow. which is kind of weird. I was thinking about it the other day. I was just like, man, like I, I got my passport recently. I got it renewed because yeah. the last passport I had, I was like 14, 15, something like that. And yeah. so it was like, dude, like I, I need to do some traveling here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, I don't know. I don't know that it's like surprising, you know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just interesting. We always have such great intentions to do things too sometimes, you know, and like life gets busy, you know, like think you get in these routines and these ruts and um, yeah, I don't know. I Is that something obviously you just renewed or got your passport? Is that something you like a, a future goal or like an ambition of yours is to kind of travel more or? I was, I was planning on going on a emissions trip to Nigeria. Nice. And, um, I was in the visa process and it just, it just didn't work out. And so I, I kind of got my passport set up. I was mm. looking at, got my plane tickets, Yeah, was in the visa process and then, um, just kind of at a, at a healthy point backed out of the process. Cause I was like, ah, I, I realized I wasn't going to be able to really commit yeah. uh, to what I needed to commit to on that trip. And I didn't want to be, um, I didn't want to kind of get other people's hopes up who were going on that trip who wanted me to go. And I didn't want to be um, someone who really couldn't give everything that I needed sure. to give to that trip. So it just kind of didn't pan out that time. Yeah. Which is understandable and, and respect respectable, you know, I mean, yep. at least you knew that. And I don't know, that's like being genuine and being authentic. I, I think that that goes a long way. I think that's awesome. Do, um, what was like what was your family you know they were missionaries in these places what were what were they doing what kind of you know things were they um helping with or providing or yeah yeah so um my uh what my what my dad primarily did um in missions work he would work with pastors he would work with church leaders denominations to uh to focus on kind of a different uh, w- discipleship really. And, and he was focusing on kind of a different, instead of, instead of like church model, more of a Western church model um, being implemented. And um, if you look at early missions history, uh, you, you see a lot of these uh, Western church model kind of getting planted where 
you go in, you, you, you get a piece of land, you put a building up, you, you kind of go out and do community services, you bring people in. Yeah. Um, and it, it just kind of changed that from discipleship where it's more one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend time in your life and show you Christ in my life. Uh, um, so that you can see it in yours and, and, and how, how Christ has lived out in a, in a kingdom uh, life. And so that's really what uh, he spent most of his time doing, was focusing on, on training leaders to do exactly that. Yeah, uh, so. like a mentorship type. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's yep. cool. And obviously your mom uh, taught you guys at home and Yep, that was yep. kind of so that was her full time. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, that's, a, that's a job in and of itself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Um, when was it like a? I'm assuming that Bethel was kind of like a natural choice for you, or or what was your yeah. decision to go to Bethel? Yeah, um, and and don't get me wrong, I love Bethel. Sometimes I wonder if if it wouldn't have been better for me to have like more choices at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, I hear you. It was kind of <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of my uh, my one choice because it was it was affiliated with the denomination that that my parents worked for, and so they were just kind of like, "Yep, you're going to Bethel." I was yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Tuition so, uh, was probably great, you know. I'm sure and. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, I had, I mean, shoot, I had a blast. Um, I only, I only did two years there. Uh, really? Believe it or not. Yeah. I I never finished at Bethel. I went in, I finished my, my sophomore year and I, I left. I don't Um, know that. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it, it, I had two very, very full experience filled years. Uh, made a lot of friends there, uh, did a lot of things, some things, uh, probably somewhat questionable. Um, some things <laughs> very <there>. memorable. <laughs> yeah. Um, most of them involved you, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a blast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I did two years there and then, uh, um, left and, uh, did a little time in a community college afterwards. And, okay. And hit the workforce, man. Yeah. So did you, did you graduate with it or what would you, what did you do? You switched from, you I switched, switched from, from education. Yeah, switched from education to intercultural studies. That's right. Because um, we were in some like classes that. together. We we were. Yeah. Because um, I was working on a uh, missions minor. That's right. Yeah, but and, I didn't uh, end up getting that. I dropped it so I could graduate. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, that was like our sophomore year, maybe. Yeah. Because I remember sitting in the back of the yeah. class. And, uh, we were playing punch for punch i think in the back of the class, <laughs> class. i'm pretty sure like, it just got it got out of control <laughs> yeah we were I'm trying, remember, I'm trying to remember who the prof was but he would always sit in that chair like he would never stand up <sighs> lecture he always sat in the chair so yeah oh man good times man good times i forgot about that i, I yeah it was i love that that's what you remember i remember the hallway I remember dude you that. you hit me so hard one time i literally <laughs> fell backwards in my chair and i'm just like i get up and i'm like oh oh sorry sorry put my chair back sit down everybody's like looking at us and then they look the other way we just go right back to it <laughs> <laughs> what class was that I don't know because we didn't learn anything. Like, we, <laughs> we just, yeah, it was. Uh, it was, was it just like, it was kind of like a to, gen ed, yeah, like it, yeah, it was like intro to missions or, or something. 
I, I can't remember some yeah. cross culture or something. Was it? Yeah. All right. We won't, we yeah. won't bore people with the details of that. I'm trying to think of like, <laughs> I just, what, I can't even remember. It was, yeah. I can't remember the prof's name. I can barely picture him. Yeah. We just weren't paying attention. What was, what was your, I mean, you've touched on it a little bit, but what was your college experience like at Bethel? I, it's, it's an interesting conversation. You know, I've had several people from, from Bethel on and everybody's had a different experience and from positives and negatives, like it's not a trash Bethel, but you know, oh yeah, it's like, I don't know. I think, uh, everybody's experience there is a little bit different. And I was just curious what, how you would describe your, your time at Bethel. Yeah. So, um, I've, I've always kind of been a, a firm believer in, the you know, one of my one of my mottos is that you know eat the meat leave the bones um and so there's good things and there's bad things uh, yeah. in any, in anything and if you kind of go in with a with the perspective of i'm going to take what's good here and i'm going to leave what's bad i think you're always going to be left with something uh worth your time you know write that down if you're That's gonna a good put one. Into it. and and i think with bethel that was one of the places where i really learned that because there was some really great experiences there there was some things that i really learned um and I, and I cherish to this day and, and mm-hmm. still stay with me to this day. Um, and there's some things that, you know, I'm glad I left there because it just wasn't, uh, I, I, don't, I didn't find very beneficial. But yeah. I think that's anywhere you go. And, um, and so socially, uh, I loved Bethel. I, I made a lot of friends, had a lot of really cool experiences. Same. Um, you know, uh, you're, you, you as one of them, um, although we haven't really talked much. We I know. Talk um, I know, we do. Uh, I'm in. But, uh yeah, I, I can't believe you. I didn't even know you moved to Florida. I know. Surprise. I don't even, uh, I didn't even know I moved to Florida. So. You didn't even know. You're just, you're just like, hey, I'm in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. <laughs> it cool happened like August. Here. So like early August, late July. So it's, it's recent. It's not, I haven't been here very long. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, I like that. Eat the meat, leave the bones. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of things. The social aspect of things. I mean, my best friends are from, from Bethel, you know? And, uh, you know, Sam and Tony and Joel and, uh, you know, those guys are, those are the guys I'm closest to that I I keep in touch with. And, but man, I'm telling you like sophomore year is filled with you and Joel, like you, Joel and, and Tim were like some of my, my closest friends that year. And we spent a lot of time together and, and hung out and, um, yeah, it's like, I think. I, I forgot. I'm sure I realized it then, but that you didn't go to Bethel after that, and I, I am guessing that that probably is what <laughs> kept yeah. us from continuing to like grow as friends and you know staying close. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird. Uh, I remember that was one of the hardest things because I think there was a lot of socially, like I said, uh, I really enjoyed Bethel. Um, educationally I really struggled at first um, and then my sophomore year really kind of turned a corner and things were things were progressing I felt really comfortable with the direction that I was going in and I wanted to pursue that intercultural studies yeah. I wanted to focus on missions um, uh, and we had a lot of discussions talk- about that I remember uh, you and I we both, did like, we, we talked about long, that a lot yeah we there was a couple of books that we read together and we yeah. were kind of we, yeah it was it was a really cool time um and i remember the that was kind of when the economy took a dip yep and i could not afford to stay at bethel and Mm. it was one of the hardest decisions um 
because I, I tried, I looked at a couple of different things, looked at taking out some student loans, and I really, really second-guessed it and decided, you know, I don't want to go that route. Good for you. And so I don't know why I didn't, but I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't uh, to this day. Uh, it's, it's been one of, the, one of the few good decisions I made. And again, I think it was a decision made in ignorance and innocence uh, because I, I really didn't have all the facts in front of me. It was just kind of one of those things where I just felt like, nah, I, I just don't want to do this. Yeah. Would um, you do things but, different now? Uh, oof. I wouldn't. Um, good. At the time... I think I initially regretted not going back because I really enjoyed the friendships I made and, and the, the, the direction I wanted to go in. I felt pretty confident that that's what I wanted to do. And it was like a sudden about face. Um, and I was scrambling to uh, get a job. Um, I went to a, a, a local community college and just kind of took some classes there and was just trying to figure out life, like what just happened. Like I kind of felt like I got sucker punched. You know? Yeah. Um, you probably did by me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was probably still walking around with a concussion. <laughs> probably, that, um, that's the other part that I thought about is like, there's no way that you and I didn't make it out of. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. There were some, there were some mornings I woke some... up and I was just like, what class am I in right now? Like, <laughs> do I have the right textbook in this class? Like opening it? Like, it's not funny, but it's funny. But we definitely lost some brain cells that year. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot, man. It's such a good time. Like, I have such good memories with you. That's so great. Oh, yeah. It was, it was It was. a blast, dude. Dude, that all, that all prepared me for, like, that was that time. That was that period where I dropped out and then, like, um, actually ended up get, getting into, uh, it was probably just the time I spent with you and Joel, like, beating the brain cells out of my head um found like a local boxing gym and like jumped in i was like hey man this is cool like i need yeah, to show my that's awesome and so um yeah that was a that was a blast and then uh, just that's trying cool. to figure out figure out life from there got a got got a job eventually working in in uh in social work working at that facility and, okay and that's and what you did right of... after so when you, you jumped into that and then what there what... was a Go yeah, ahead. There was a little bit of a gap in, in in there, but I mean, pretty much it was like me trying to figure figure things out, working a couple part time jobs until I finally uh, got my feet underneath me and decided, you know what, this is where I'm going to go for now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what came next? What I mean, what led you out to South Dakota? Yeah, um, and this is something that um, I'll, I'll be in, I'll be entirely honest. For a long time, I wasn't really comfortable talking about, but it, I, I've really sure. become much more more comfortable with this discussion. Um, working at that facility was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. Yeah. Uh, working with youth, um, a lot of them were, you know, kind of in the the. Uh, entry level uh, of, of the, the gangs. They were involved in uh, a lot of drugs. Uh, yeah. My first year I spent working in behavior modification and I worked with a lot of these kids. We were just basically trying to, trying to identify some of these behavior patterns and then kind of uh, curb them um, and reintroduce new behavior patterns, uh, more mm -hmm. positive ones to kind of hopefully give them a chance when they got back uh, in their in their home environments. Yeah. It was really difficult to watch these kids uh, work with them in a facility, see them succeed um, in a in a in a in an environment that was controlled where we could we could really work on some of these uh, you know 
positive behavior patterns, positive thinking. Yeah. Um, then you send them home and you send them right back into an environment where they're surrounded by all of the negative um, behavior patterns, behavior uh, thinking and, and, and lifestyles that eventually led them to the situation that they were in to begin yeah. with. I mean, usually very abusive homes. And so a lot of these kids end up going right back into that. And then, you know, all the work that you did is obviously going to get, you know, you had them for what, six months. And this kid grew up in that home for like what, right. you know, 14 years. It's like the mountaintop experience, but you got to come back down. Yeah. And you're just, that's what you're working against. The tide that you were working against was just unbelievable. So just not a lot of successes. Yeah. And then, um, I remember the, the, the kind of the life expectancy or the, the, not the life expectancy, but like the amount of time that you, a typical employee would stay there was about, I would say maybe eight months. Yeah. High burnout. Um, Yeah. High burnout. Yeah. And so after about eight months, it was like, um, a supervisor position came up and there weren't very many faces around that had been there very long. And so, uh, they, uh, they asked me to put in for it and put in for it. And, somehow I got it. I don't, I, you know, after all of that, <laughs> I'm not sure who trusted me with that position, but apparently enough people trusted me with, with that to, to promote me to that. And so, um, that was a huge, huge, uh, experience uh, yeah. stepping into that and realizing, all right, I have a staff I need to look out for, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost. And then, and that was kind of the change because before that it was, I've got a, I've got a unit of kids that I'm taking care of. Yeah. And then it was, now I'm taking care of a staff who's taking care of the yeah. units. It's like empowering things. your staff and, and making yeah. sure they're taken care of and trusting and that was them the, to do the job. That was a huge experience. The leadership really lo- uh, learned to lead in that position and transitioned over to the, uh, kind of the, the juvenile, like sex offender prevention unit. Sure. at the time and um that was a that was kind of the one of those breaking points in my life working in that mm-hmm. that environment it that was a daily grind that wore you down mm-hmm. um the stories uh, that that you'd hear some of the stuff that you'd see that you'd have to deal with um and eventually you know it didn't it didn't take me uh, too long i don't know if i did a year a little over a year um in that unit and then working as a supervisor there before it just, uh, I, I realized I needed a break. Um, and, and again, this isn't, it was something I didn't like talking about before, but I've really become much more comfortable about it because yeah. of, because of what I learned from it and, uh, drank a lot. Yeah. Uh, really just to, I would go home and it's funny cause you're working with kids who, you know, a lot of them had addictions, a lot of sure. things they were struggling with. And it was like, it, I, it became my, my escape I'd get back from shift, get off shift. I'd go home and I would drink until I could sleep because I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, eventually you just, you, you drink yourself until you fall asleep and then you'd wake up the next morning and you clock in and you go back to work. Yeah. Um, and you just, it was on repeat for like a year. <laughs> and I got to a point where I woke up one day and I realized, you know, holy crap, like this is not, this is not good. Like, yeah, you're trying to make a difference in these kids' lives, but your life is in shambles right, right. now with how you're, you're coping with things. And this is not how to cope with the things that you're dealing with, you know, their trauma, you're adopting all their trauma. Yeah. You need to not do that. Is, is that what it was? Secondary trauma of, of just yep. experiencing that and some, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Lots we, of, lots of. So I worked in special education. Uh, we look, worked in a level four setting and uh, a lot of behaviors, you know, it was 
wasn't anything. We had support staff that was literally there to when a kid went off. Um, yeah, that was to come and support and to help get them to a safe place. We had two locked rooms um, that you know was just to protect them and protect us, and we had different protocols and different things to deal with that. But um, yeah, we had a counselor come in and talk about secondary trauma, and you know it's one of those things that you don't think about. You know, it's not something that yeah, creeps up un- it, yeah, that you even understand in some ways. But yeah, it's prevalent. It's there. It it exists. And um, man, I yeah, I I can't imagine working in that type of environment and and dealing with some of those different I don't know stories and issues and and things. What I mean, you talked about alcohol as kind of like a, the coping mechanism that you use, yeah. but was it was it just their stories that you know answer however you feel comfortable to sure uh, like don't yeah um, um but what was, was what was it that like stuck with you what was it that like troubled you um it was uh, you had a you had a lot of a lot of stories a lot of these kids would tell you stuff that they wouldn't tell their therapist they would sure. tell you because you, you're in their life every day yeah um you know they're meeting their therapist maybe one you know a couple times a week but they talk to you every single day. You're the guy who's really looking out for them and and showing them. And one of the, one of the things that we really focused on doing was um, you had to kind of reintroduce the, the real meaning of love to them. Mm. It was something that they didn't, especially in the, the the sexually maladaptive units, they would always associate love with sex. Mm. And so they they didn't know it besides that. And so it was like, you had to kind of reintroduce let me show you what real love is outside of this corrupted thing that, that and this abusive thing that was done to you. Let me show you how to care and, and how someone should care for you. Mm. Uh, and so uh, they would, they would share things with you that they wouldn't share with other people. And um, so you would get, you get a lot of those stories, a lot of stories of horrific abuse yeah. Um, and a lot of those stories, I don't, I don't share that stuff that there's, there's stories that I have not talked about with anyone since then. And it's just because I've come to a place where I feel like that, that secondary trauma, receiving that from somebody else and having heard that story and then dealing with that story myself and, 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 and those hundreds of stories, yeah. um, you don't want to do that to somebody else. You don't want to dump that on somebody else. Yeah. And have yeah. them that. So I just, that's kind of something that I've dealt with and I'm like, all right, that's mine. Um, I, I've, I've come to my peace with it and I'm not going to put that on anyone else, but those stories, uh, were definitely something that stuck with you. Um, and then there were some experiences in that facility. There was a lot of, uh, there was a couple of times where you'd have an entire unit pretty much riot. Yeah. And you, you go in there and, and part of your training was, you know, deescalation, you know, how you, how do you go in there and deescalate entire unit, um, using safe physical restraints you know, right. when you need to, that was kind of the last resort. Um, but there was a number of, of incidences. There was one in particular where I got assaulted, got assaulted a lot there, but um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was one in particular, which sent me to the ER. And, uh, and I just remember getting, um, this is one of those turning points too, or uh, I saw it coming and I don't know why I did what I did, but I, I was focusing on helping one kid who was hurt. And there was another, another resident who wanted to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I saw him coming towards me. He had kind of gotten away and broken into the building. 
from another side. And I just knew in the back of my mind, it, it was like, you're going to get, you're going to get hurt here. You're yeah. going to get, this kid's going to get you. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. Mm. And I was trying to, I was going through really quickly in my mind, what is the best way to handle this situation? And, you know, I could go, I could try to protect myself, but I felt like the best situation that in, in that case was I'm going to focus on helping this kid. And if this kid hits me, if this kid comes for me, then I'm just, I'm going to deal with that, uh, separately, but you know, I'm going to give him the best opportunity to not do that. Yeah. And I remember kind of turning my back and this is something they tell you not to do, but I gave pretty much gave him my back Yeah. and he came up and unloaded on me and, uh, and uh, I just remember blood pouring down my face, and like I just yeah. remember turning, looking at him, and being like, "Dude, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you just made a bad, like this decision is gonna, this is, this is a life course changing decision right here." Yeah. Um, and uh, and he just kind of stopped and looked at me. It was one of those weird moments where it was just like, "Your life is about to be very different because of what yeah. just happened just now." Um, and I almost felt bad for him in that moment but uh yeah never saw him again after that he uh ended up going somewhere else but um yeah yeah, there was a lot of a lot of things like that some that i just uh, you know don't talk about but um a lot of experiences that just kind of left you a little bit dealing with that on almost a daily basis you know Mm -hmm. i remember getting choked i remember getting tackled a lot i remember getting kicked um having coworkers get stabbed um and You know, as a supervisor and you're looking out for that staff and you're, you're seeing the staff get abused on the daily, it was just like, it, it was a very stressful every single day you clocked in, you clocked in, you're like, okay, how am I going to keep my staff safe today? How am I going to keep these kids safe today? Um, and uh, provide the best environment for them to, uh, to learn and, uh, and, and grow and, and, and experience, um, you know, a loving, caring uh, environment and, and providing that for them the best that you can. Um, and that just, that just wore you down after a while. Yeah. Um, so, what? and I didn't, I, I didn't know how to cope with it. Mm. I, no one, no one taught me or trained no. me like, this is how you deal with this. And so that was kind of my, my coping mechanism was, uh, was alcohol at the time. Yeah. Yeah. From, from your perspective, from your experience, what, is there anything that could change? Is there like, what needs to change in order to like best help your staff and, and the, the people that you're trying to help in these situations or in these, you know, this specific type of, um, institution or. Yeah. Um, better training, um, which is hard because they, they do provide some really excellent training. Uh, but typically because they, they don't, those positions don't pay very well. Exactly. Yeah. Those a lot of those entry on the line on the line positions don't pay well. And yeah. so these guys are the guys who are gonna get beat up, but these are also guys who are spending every single day with those kids and they have mm-hmm. the, some of the greatest impact on those kids' lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes that, that quantity really rubs off on them versus that, you know, when we're trying to aim for those, those little mini quality moments. Like those quality moments are in the quantity. Yeah. And um so, you know, I think a, a lot of those those positions need better pay, but it's not there. It's not available because it's usually, you know, either through state funding right. or you know, even if it's private funding, it's usually, you know, limited. through donations. Yeah. yeah, it's extremely limited. 
And so um, that, that, that would definitely improve things. I, and I think things have improved over the last couple of years. When I was doing it, this, it was still, um, for this company particularly, I think it was still pretty new. And so they were really learning a lot about how to to retain staff, how to take care of staff, sure. how to provide good training for staff, and things were were slowly improving. Um, but it just uh, some of us went kind of through the ringer there um, until some of those those changes were implemented. So yeah, it's um, tough. I mean, it, I it's funny. It seems like obviously very very different but there's some similarities that i've i picked up on uh from you know working in the school that i worked in and and some of those different things it's it's uh yeah the staff there's a high turnover rate and the ones that stick around are are great uh, compassion fatigue is is huge yeah yeah absolutely you want to give 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 um and then eventually you're empty and and nobody's really kind of looking out for you yeah pouring nobody's in pouring back in yeah yeah yep yep and that's that's hard i mean that's like unfortunately i think it's more common it just in that type of environment that you just described there it just has a bigger impact you know i mean i, I think that a lot of companies are like that you know just in general of that they expect so much of you and don't necessarily pour back in, but the fallout's yeah. different, you know, versus when you're emotionally and physically and giving and getting abused, you know, um, yeah. it's a whole yeah. nother, it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother issue that you you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was obviously a pretty, um, impactful, uh, time of your life. It, 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 you can tell just even by the way you, you talk about it, that it, it's had a, had an impact on you positively, negatively. I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit of both. Yeah. What, yeah. what did you take from that? And, and where, what, when you left, obviously you're trying to help yourself create some boundaries, heal up, um, what were what were some of your decisions in in leaving, and um, what steps did you take to kind of mend your mind and and yourself yeah. and the experiences that you had gone through? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, definitely, a, a extremely impactful time in my life. I would say that my my two years there probably um, they had such an impact on me today. I would say that uh, how I interact with people. Um, how a lot of how I make decisions was molded uh, by my training and my experiences in that environment. Um, how I deal with with other people's trauma, how I uh, deal with people who are, you know, especially even in EMS when I'm dealing with very aggressive, uh, violent people, um, I resort back to the training that I received there um, and, and work on de-escalating people, talking to yeah. people. And usually I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at being able to kind of work people down without having, to, you know, things having to get at, at all in any way kind of physical. And so um, I, I appreciate that. There was, again, you know, going back to that, you could meet leave the bones. There's always something good, you know, you take from that. And from those two years, there was, yes, there was a lot of trauma. There's a lot of that. And I'll talk about that in a second. But um, there was a lot of good that I took out of there that it, that has made a, 
an impact and uh, an imprint on my life. And I believe that, you know, going through, you know, the rest of my life, I am going to, to rely on some of the, the training and the experience that I received there uh, to be able to work and help people, which is what I really love doing. Um, so going from that to uh, some of the, you know, how did I deal with when I left, um, I'll kind of talk about the, my, my reasoning behind leaving. Sure. Uh, I, I just remember one distinct weekend uh, had a really bad um, had a really bad crisis, um, and it's kind of one of those things where I, it's a little little vague as far as my memory goes because I think I got assaulted. I might have got a concussion that week. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of those, and I, I remember going home. And I did not leave the house the entire, I had two days off, didn't leave the house for two days. And I basically just drank. Um, yeah. And I remember waking up, I think it was Sunday morning. I woke up and uh, I just was, it was, it was kind of one of those weird things. It was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't want to drink. Yeah. And I, I need to find a way, um, I need to be okay and I'm not okay where I'm at. And if I'm not okay, I realized I couldn't be what I needed to be uh, for the staff that I was supervising and for the kids. Um, because I, I had gotten to such a point of burnout where I was going in and I was doing my job. And although I was very good at my job um, without that level of care and love that you have uh, for those kids and, and for the staff, it was becoming, um, more difficult for me to make the right decisions mm. for for them for their you know it was more about like you know how do i get through this day and and get through this day safely you know which is which is good and all but it, i just realized that i i was in a position where if i wasn't in this position somebody else would be in this position who who had the the heart uh, for really caring for them and right now mine was empty mine was just I, I, I didn't have much left to give. And so I knew I needed a break. Mm -hmm. um, and it's possible I could have just taken a vacation or something like that, you know, and come back to it. But I was like, I don't know how to cope with what I'm dealing with. Yeah. And unless I just kick the can down out. the road, you know, I yeah. mean, exactly. vacation. Yeah, of course it would have helped you and, and benefited, but you know, the, there's overarching issues you know as yeah. far as like like you said not getting poured back into and not being nurtured and taken care of and um, exactly just being it's an empty tank that just continues to to pour out and at that time there was really a stigma with um kind of talking going to talk with somebody because yeah. it was it was like this you're not you're not right in the head like you you're going to go talk to somebody and so I was kind of yeah. a, a big proponent of like, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just going to deal with this on my own. I can deal with this on my own. Yeah. And I just realized I got to that point where I was like, I can't. Yeah. This is, this so you, okay. you did seek help and, and you got some uh, counseling? Not at that time. No. Yeah. Instead, my, my approach was I need to step away from this. The environment that I'm in right now, yeah. um, I can't get the help that I need. I can't, I can't work through the things that I need to. And so I decided that at that time, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to step away, uh, kind of put in my notice, um, helped transition that uh, we were going through a couple transitions in that facility at the time and watched a couple programs transition. So I really kind of bookended it and closed it at a good point. Yeah. Um, trained up my, my replacement and then, uh, and then, you know, really left on good terms because I, I loved working for that 
yeah. that company loved working with those kids loved working with that staff great staff um they just got to a place where i was like i need i need to step away and i need to get okay yeah and good uh, for you and and so yeah and then and, um so th- that was part of my 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 thinking and moving to South Dakota was I got family out here and I'm going to go spend some time with family. Yeah. Um, kind of work this low key to me. It was like, I'm just going to go work a low key job, do maintenance again, you know, Yeah. you know, work with my hands, maybe get some time away and I, I can kind of heal up and, you know, and deal with some of these, these things that I'm dealing yeah. with. Recharge, um, refuel, re exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, well, uh, and I think it's what's so important is, you know, like you talking about leaving that scenario or that environment, but, you know, even if you were probably to even think about your, some of your training with the people that you're with is in crisis, you know, the remove yourself from the, the situation, you know, is like, yeah, it's like crisis management, you know, is like, get it, get out of that environment. And, and, uh, I, yeah. I, yep. I mean, that's probably the best thing that you could have done, you know? And yep. When the environment is so toxic that you can't, what you have for a coping mechanism at that point, what you've trained yourself to do uh, to kind of help uh, prevent some of that toxicity from getting in, yeah. like you, you've reached a point where it, the toxicity is overwhelming your coping mechanism. Mm. And you got to step out of that environment to allow yourself in a more, you know, healthy, clean environment to kind of work on if you need to work on those coping mechanisms to get stronger, to step back in, okay, that's one thing, or you need to step out, find yeah. something else yeah. where that coping, you know, yeah. you're not going to be overwhelmed. Exactly. How did so, your, did your family step in pretty big for you? Or was that really helpful? Um, they, they did as much as I allowed. Mm. And that was the thing. I just, I, it, I didn't know what to do with a lot of the stuff that yeah. I was dealing with coming out of there. You Nobody know, teaches you that. <laughs> yeah, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and you, you, you jump up. And I remember, like, I would I would wake up and I'd go, go check the locks on my doors. Mm. I remember waking up and, like, it felt like I was there at work. And it would take me a few seconds to realize I wasn't at work. <laughs> yeah. Go back to that. You know, and it was just, like, stuff like that was, it, it was almost, the, it became almost a nightly occurrence where I just couldn't sleep, yeah. couldn't sleep. And so you, you, you'd think, but... Um, coming out of that and, and moving to South Dakota, I didn't want to talk to family about that. So they didn't mm-hmm. know how to help me. Mm-hmm. And even if I did talk to them about it, I don't think they knew how to help yeah. me. And so I eventually um, realized after, you know, a year in South Dakota, I realized I need to talk to somebody about yeah. some of this stuff because I got to get some of this stuff. I need, I need to sort out, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the Cause I've kind of met a lot of people, even in EMS, they do this a lot. A lot of the people I meet, they, they, they believe in this box that, that you have and you just put all the trauma and all the bad things in the box. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done with, with that trauma and those bad things, you close the box and you leave it in the box and you never open the box. You just keep packing the box. Well, that's, you know, the box is really your coping mechanism. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like your wall, you know, and you th- I think about it, you know, kind of like the little Dutch boy with his finger in the wall, you know, holding back the sea. And it's just yeah. like, you just keep pouring more water on the other side of that wall. And you're never and addressing it or, or dealing with the actual. Exactly. And eventually issue. that box is going to burst and, and you're going to have to deal with all of that. But instead of teaching yourself and working on coping mechanisms and how to deal with the, the crisis and the stress and the trauma, mm-hmm. you spent all your time trying to keep it locked up. Yeah. And so when that does burst, you have no 
real uh, training or experience um, and, and, and discipline and working on uh, how do I deal with this situation that I'm in right now? And that was the thing that I, I, I had to learn was identifying when I'm in a, when I'm really depressed, when I'm kind of dealing with some yeah. of this stuff and how, what are some of the best ways for me to deal with that exercise, uh, meditation, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would spend a lot of time in prayer. I would, I yeah. would there were things I kind of had like an emergency first aid where once I identified that I was in this, you know, I, I'm not okay right now and I need to do some things that are going to help me even if I don't feel like it. Um, and then also talking with someone really, really helped out. I knew this, uh, this old chaplain with, um, with the 82nd airborne and, uh, nice. he, he he really he was a friend of the family and uh, he he talked to me about some stuff and kind of worked through um, some of the things that I was dealing with because I needed to talk to somebody about some of it um, and and figure out how to process that and I think that was the thing that was important to me I needed to process this not just block it out and box it up somewhere in, yeah. in, you know in the, in the recess of my mind so. Good for you. I'm. I mean, I, I can't imagine what that experience was like for you, and and going through that and dealing with that, and honestly, even now, I mean, um, even the work that you're doing now, I'm. You know, you you kind of mentioned it or touched on it, but I'm sure there's some some things you have to deal with consistently, and kind of check back in with yourself. But I think, man, it's just so cool to see. I don't know, people taking care of themselves and, you know, getting the help and making the decisions that they know they need to instead of just like staying in that garbage, you know? And yeah. I, yeah. especially as males, as men, you know, like we, you know, again, like you had, like you said that at your old place, the, the stigmas and the things that like hindered you from going and talking to somebody, which, man, I'm not saying that it's not prevalent everywhere and and amongst other people and amongst women or whatever, but like there's, there's this stigma with men and, and more and more. And there's so many of my guests that I've had on, you know, that are males as well and talking about like getting help. And I love hearing people saying like, Hey, I just had to go talk to somebody. And like, I applaud you. Like, I think it's awesome and I think it's great. And I want to say like, thank you for, for doing that. And thank you for talking about it. And thank you for speaking up. And, um, you know, it's, it's these little moments that I, it excites me about this platform, uh, about the podcast, about whatever it is, you know, people to come in to listen to your story and to go, you know what? Like maybe I do need to talk to somebody. And if that's not, maybe that's not the tipping point. Maybe that's just the intro, right? Maybe that's just one thing that plants that seed that says like, Hey, I'm not okay. I need help and it's okay. You know? And maybe I need to talk to somebody. And, everybody's story is different and I truly, truly believe that like everyone's story matters, you know? And I think that the more that we can understand each other and talk to each other and, and hold each other's hand and and pat each other on the back and, and go through this life together and and to understand that everybody's going through their own shit, you know, and everybody that we pass by, every single person has a story and you don't know what that story is. And it's a, it's something that I try to keep in the back of my mind. And, and this is something that I've talked about a lot, but is 
my patience and, and just wanting to be the best person that I can be. And I'm human and I make a lot of mistakes and I get frustrated with people and, and whatever, but, um, yeah, we all do. Yeah. I, I just think that my, my father-in-law, Tom made a comment. Um, he was here a few weeks ago and, and he said, you know, we just, we just have to be better than we were yesterday. And, uh, that really stuck with me. It stuck with me a lot. You know, like it's, we're not, you're not trying to be anybody, but better than the the person you were the day before, you know, like that's right. the only thing you can do is be better than you were the day before and everything exactly. else doesn't matter. And, uh, it's, it's like that staying present and, um, yeah, I don't know, just, just working to be the best that we can and, and not get stuck in these traps and get stuck in these these things and recognize and and sometimes it's hard you know sometimes it's hard to recognize that you're going down a path that's not good and and the hardest the path that you need to go down isn't the easiest path you know and exactly uh, but i think it's important and and i hope that if anybody's listening and that strikes strikes a you know accord with you i think explore that and and listen to that and i don't know i i just really love that you're willing to share and and your vulnerability with your story. I, I just really want to say thank you. Like I, I, I can't imagine, you know, the things you heard and saw and did and, and, uh, and I just appreciate, you know, all that you're doing to take care of yourself and, and to talk about it. I think it's awesome. Well, I really appreciate that Shane. And yeah, it's just, um, uh, getting to a place where I, I'm much more comfortable. Um, yeah discussing that and I, and I love helping people and so yeah if that's helpful to anybody then then uh then good yeah absolutely yeah. i've got a few more questions here and then we'll kind of close things out but um these can get a little little more deep they're just kind of more reflective and thought processing but yeah um sure. what would you say you're most proud of to date what yeah. i am most proud of um, hitting, hitting right out of the gates here. Yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, I would say, wow, there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, but, um, uh, I'm really proud of, uh, wrapping up paramedic school. That was, that was a tough, tough road. Um, yeah. but I think if I would say, you know, what am I really, really most proud of my relationship with a lot of my family right now mm. is, uh, is something that, uh, I, I, I can't say that I was always the easiest um, sibling or, or the easiest um, son, maybe, to deal with. I, yeah. I, I was a little ornery growing up. I was a little ornery <laughs> in college. And, That's why we got and along so well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think I definitely made things things difficult in my relationship mm. with family. And a lot of my experiences, I think, helped me realize I need to work on some of that stuff. And so I... In my 20s, I spent a lot of time um, working on uh, my relationship with, uh, with, with, with family. And I think that's something that I'm, I'm really proud to say today, that I have a very good relationship with them um, and, and rapport with them. And, even, and, and that kind of bled over into a lot of my, uh, my, my work experiences and yeah. my, my employment with, with employers and with coworkers just trying to maintain good relationships with them um, and, and learning how to communicate with them. So, yeah, I think that's, that's something I'm definitely, definitely very proud of. And 
put some bumps in there. But yeah, good for you. Sure. That's awesome. Sure. What do you look forward to most in the future? Do you have any goals, ambitions? Yeah, um, passionate passing this national registry here coming up real soon, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then after that is uh, uh, really focusing on moving towards critical care um, certification. And uh, that's kind of the next next step. Uh, moving into flight, uh, flight medicine is really really where I want to go. Wow, cool! Um, so that's that's my, my the next thing on the horizon that I'm looking at. There's a couple other things, but you know, it's kind of one of those things that I'm going to focus on the next thing right now, and then uh, we'll deal with everything else later. Yeah, yeah, good for you. That's awesome. Look, uh, do you ever do you ever think about your legacy? I I do. Um, when you look back yeah. on your life, like, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you, What do you think about when you think about your legacy? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where, um, and unfortunately, I feel like I I maybe remember more the negative than the positive sometimes, and that's something I gotta. Yeah. I'm, right there I'm always with you on that. aware of, but like a lot of times I go to bed at night and I'm lying in bed and I'm like, Oh, you stupid idiot. Why did you say that? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about something four years ago, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. it's four years ago. I doubt that guy even remembers what yeah. I said. Yeah. For whatever reason, I'm just like, Oh, you dumb it. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I do think about that a lot. When I think about the kids that I worked with, what kind mm-hmm. of a, a legacy did I leave with them? Did I, um, and you know, where are they today? And I don't really know. Um, but did I, did, did I give anything to them that, mm. that helped change the course of their life or, or that they're going to take, um, you know, was it a seed that was planted? It was a, you know, a turning point, you know, for their, for their life. What, you know, was there anything that I left yeah. that they could, uh, that, that they took and, and moved them in a, in a more positive direction? What is their life like now? Um, and so I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot when I deal with patients, even, you know, yeah. um, what kind of impact am I having in their life in the brief, you know, uh, you know, time that I'm on scene and transport to the hospital. And then, you know, even, even as an advocate for that patient at the hospital, like, is there anything that, you know, that, that that's going to make a significant impact on them? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of things and I just, I just don't know if I'm ever going to know. And I, and I think I've become much more comfortable with that, doing the best that I can with what I have in the moment yeah, and, and just allowing the rest to be, um, what, what's going to be and trusting, trusting God's going to kind of do what he's going to do with whatever yeah. else, you know? Yeah. So. Awesome. Last question. Go for it. Looking back, what advice would you tell little Dave? Oh my gosh. Oh, that poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> He's in so much trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, there's, there's some friends he might not want to make, but, uh, you know, <laughs> um, he's, uh, I, I think I would, I don't think he would listen to me. Uh, he was pretty headstrong, pretty stubborn, but, yeah. I would I would sit down with him. I think some of the things that I would tell him would be to uh, not be in such a hurry. Mm. Uh, slow things down. Take your time. Uh, um, instead of aiming for you know how do I how do I take the shortcut to getting where I want to be, really take the time um, in 
in, in studying and preparing yourself um, as a person to, to be the kind of person you want to be. I think when I was a kid, I focused so much on um, how do I get the things done that I need to get done instead of, you know, focusing on, uh, you know, how can I be the, the instead of looking at like the, the job that I wanted, who do I want to be in, in, in 10 years? What kind of a person do I want to be? And, yeah. Slowing, slowing things down. I like that. Yeah. We get in, we get in a hurry a lot, don't we? Yeah. Hurry up and grow up, you know? And it's, yeah. uh, then you uh, get and there I, and you're like, shit, can I go back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I want to be a kid again. Yeah. We go chasing snakes around. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dave, dude, it's so good to talk to you. Let's, yeah, uh, man, it's been forever. Let's stay in touch and, and For sure. just know you got a place down here and, South Florida, if you ever want to come visit. Yeah, awesome. Um, whatever this is your this is your time. Uh, if you want to say anything to our listeners or uh, any advice, any thoughts, or plug anything, now's your time. Otherwise, we'll close things out. Mm, yeah, man. I don't know. Um, just uh, take life one day at a time. Um, oh. Like I said, slow. Yeah, just. You've got, I think a lot of people have time to, to just kind of focus on, on, on preparation and, um, family and spend time with family. If that's anything that I've learned in, mm. in, uh, in the fields that I've worked, uh, you get so busy working jobs and putting in the long hours. Um, you miss some of the most important things that are right in front of you. If you have kids, if you, you know, if you're married, you've got a family that's one of the most, I think that's probably one of the most valuable and important things that you can spend your time with and pouring your time in. It's not your job. Um, it should be your family. You work your job so that you can, you know, you can, you can spend that time with family and, uh, and have that healthy, healthy family. And they want you there. They want you involved, um, in their life. And so don't let your job, impact your family in a negative way Mm. so yeah perfect send it there thanks dave thanks so much for coming on i really appreciate it yeah awesome see you thank you all so much for listening please visit us on facebook and instagram where you can like and comment on our posts if you want to go above and beyond please share the crazy face uno podcast with your friends and family or just random strangers on the street. We're welcome to everyone. Once again, please visit crazyfaceuno.com to purchase our merchandise and donate. Your contributions help us tell more stories like Dave's and the stories just like yours. Thanks again for listening. We love you all. Peace!